And Father, I just thank you so much for the words of uh, that song that we just sang. God, I thank you that we can have the confidence that regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our surroundings, God, it can be well in our souls. And Father, I pray for each one of us who are here today, God, I pray that we would look to you, God, that during a time of rest, of weekly rest, God, and that we would trust in you to have our soul be at peace in the midst of life's greatest storms. And God, I pray that you would guide us and direct us today. Father, I pray that you would be pleased and glorified with everything that is said and everything that is sung. God, we thank you so much for the gift of life, eternal life that you gave through your son's death and resurrection. God, we thank you so much for that. God, I pray that you would be with us now as we talk one more week about what it means to rest. And God, I pray that you would bring rest to our souls so that we can be the best that we can be in service for you. And I pray this all in the strong and the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Todd. I'm the lead pastor. I'm really glad that you're here this morning. And uh, thank you so much for being here. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians. We're going to end up in Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have your Bibles, the verses will be on the screens this morning. It'll be on the screen this morning, so you can follow along through this message. I want to invite you also to uh, take notes this morning. You have a blank page there. You uh, um, also uh, can access all of that through our notes on our app or on the website. Part of that song that we just sang um, ended, it ended with an, an old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And many of you uh, know that hymn, many of you know it from growing up, many of you know it from church, some of you maybe have never heard it before. And I remember singing that in church, it was a regular in our church. But as a teenager, as my faith grew, um, one day I heard the story of that hymn, It Is Well. And the story behind the song makes the song exponentially more powerful in my mind and in my heart. The author of those words, the, the man who wrote the lyrics, is a guy by the name of Horatio Stafford. And Horatio Stafford uh, was a Chicago lawyer that had incredible success back in the mid-1800s. And he took his wealth and he invested it in real estate. In fact, Horatio um, uh, Spafford was one of the um, great early real estate moguls and kings in the Chicago area. And he, he had so much of the waterfront uh, investment properties there um, on the shore of Chicago. And his wealth just grew and his investments grew and he had extraordinary wealth. But one of the things about Horatio um, Spafford was is that he was a devout Christian man. He, he was a man who had decided to follow Jesus as his personal savior. And while he was a great businessman, even more to who he was is he was a Christ follower. Well, Horatio Spafford in 1870 and 71 had a few things happen to him um, that probably for most of us would have turned our hearts against God. He was one of the victims of the Great Fire of 1871 in Chicago that is uh, now very much known as one of the worst uh, fires in our nation's history still to this day. And all of his property was destroyed in that fire. 
And over the course of the next three years, as he tried to rebuild his business and rebuild his wealth, um, the, the economy in Chicago struggled. In fact, really hit what was most experts believe was a, a depression of some sorts, not very long-lasting. But things just began to get worse and worse and worse. And, and so as a respite for his wife and his four daughters, uh, he had planned a trip to England in uh, 1873. And so uh, the, the trip came, uh, it, was, it was time to go on holiday and, and kind of just leave the, the, the troubles of the last three or four years behind and go over to England. And the plan was for them to meet up with some of their great friends who were uh, Christians there in England and help them in, in reaching England for Christ during that holiday. So even on his holiday, he was purposeful. And so it was time to go, and, and it was time for them to board the ship when um, he received word that something um, needed for him, something business-wise needed for him to stay back here in Chicago, here in the United States. And so he decided that he would send his wife and his four daughters on over to England um, to not delay their time of, of respite and holiday. And so he stayed back and, and tended to his business while his family uh, got on that steamship and crossed the Atlantic Ocean headed for England. Well, at some point in time uh, on their journey, um, a, a giant iron ship struck that steamship, and it sank in 12 minutes. And all but 27 people died that day, perished in the Atlantic Ocean. Well, he received word of this and quickly tried to get himself to the New York Harbor where he could uh, get a ship over. And while he was there, he received word from his wife, who was in Wales. And she said these words via telegraph, survived alone. His four daughters had died there in the Atlantic Ocean. So Horatio, uh, already grieving himself, uh, got on the next ship headed over to England to be with his wife and to comfort her during her time of grief and to bring her back to, to America um, to really essentially restart their lives. I mean, in a matter of, of years, this man's fortune had uh, dwindled. It had really been obliterated. Um, now his daughters, his whole family, except for he and his wife, were gone. And so he reached his wife, and they came back to the United States. And they quickly realized that their time serving God wasn't quite over yet. It's interesting because as he was traveling over to meet his wife there in Wales, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, the captain of that ship brought him up to the bridge and told him, this is probably about the place that your daughters perished and Horatio Spafford went out on the deck that day, and he began to pen the words that we just sang, It is well with my soul. Many of you know uh, most of the words to that wonderful hymn. He says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. You know, I think about Horatio Spafford and his response to what happened to him. Boy, I, I wish I could have that kind of response to the things that happened in my life that pale in comparison to his, don't you? I wish I could be that solid that he could say, even in the face of all of his children perishing that day in the Atlantic Ocean, it is well with my soul. This was a man who was so incredibly connected 
to God that even in the midst of suffering, and he speaks of the suffering in the song, in the hymn, he concludes it by saying it is well with my soul. That kind of relationship, I want you to capture this, that kind of relationship with God doesn't come by taking our spiritual lives for granted. It doesn't come just in the five minutes that we have every once in a while to give to God. It doesn't come just dabbling and serving him. It doesn't come just by randomly um, thinking that we can live our spiritual lives. This man was devout because he spent time with God. And as we conclude our series today and God rested, I I want you to be challenged in making a solid, firm commitment to taking a day a week to rest. We began in week one by describing the fact that Sabbath, the word Sabbath doesn't equate to Sunday or even Saturday necessarily. The word means rest and God's command is is that you and I find our Sabbath. In fact, we've kind of put pieces of a puzzle together and we've had three of those pieces. I want to go over those three and then today we're going to hit the last one and you're going to have a couple action items for that. First and foremost, the first piece of the puzzle is that you and I have to find the time when we have our Sabbath. I hope you've done that. I've hoped you, I hope you've looked at your schedule. I hope you've looked at your calendar. I, I hope you've really seriously given thought to when is the best time for, for us or for me to take time off to spend with God, away from uh, the cares of, of the past week, focusing on him and resting, our physical bodies, our emotional bodies, our spiritual souls. And so we've got to find that time that we can spend with God. Secondly, We've got to release to Jesus areas in our life that are in need of restoration and replenishment and repair. He desires for us to bring that to him. And he trades it in with an easy yoke, as we talked about last week. And point number three is that we've got to design, or uh, I guess part number three to that puzzle, is we've got to design an intentional plan for our Sabbath, making sure that Jesus is a central source of rest and of peace. Today, as we conclude this series... As we consider what it means um, to have such a, a deep, powerful, meaningful relationship with Jesus, the Savior, um, we're going to talk about what it means and consider what it means that we must have some kind of commitment to a day during the week that we create this firm foundation on Christ. In fact, that's your first point in your notes this morning is committing to a weekly Sabbath will create a firm spiritual foundation on which the rest of life can be built. There are so many things in society and in our life and quite candidly, even in good things, even in education and even in our business and even in uh, sports, recreation for us or recreation from our, for our kids. And nothing of any of that is inherently bad. But I got to tell you that most of us have the temptation, myself included, to find our foundation in something other than Jesus Christ. And a little bit of what we've talked about last week Christ has to be that foundation. He's got to be not only that central source of of where we find our rest, but he has to be the foundation on which every part of our life is built. Listen, you may have come in today and you're frustrated in your job or your career or your occupation. You may have come in today and students, um, it has been a really rough January in school. I've been there, by the way. Okay, I remember those days. It was a long time ago, but I do remember those days. Um, You you may have come in here today, and and your family life, your your marriage, your kids are are just absolutely pushing you to your last end. 
Maybe you came in today and um, just what you're going through in your own personal life, fear and failure and maybe um, depression has caused you to reach out to something other than Christ. Listen, I want you to hear this. If, if, If you make anything other than Christ your foundation, trying to build the rest of those things of life will only lead to failure. And trying to fix that piece of your life that is so incredibly frustrating or broken first is going to result in in, in really a collapse of your life unless you have that foundation in Christ. Look look at what Paul says to the um, church in in Corinth here. Um, He says this in 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that we can build the rest of our lives upon. Check out this this graphic. This just aptly explains what I believe Paul is saying. Is is that if we want to be the best in our lives, we have to ensure that the foundation of our lives is spiritually sound. Listen, if you have that down, the rest of your life, whether it's mental or physical or emotional, relational, academic, professional, in any other area of your life, absolutely can be built upon the foundation of Christ. Any other way around, it just doesn't work. It may work for a while, right? It may work for a season. You may find peace in the midst of your storm, for a short part of the journey. But if you want to journey long in your faith walk, in your spiritual life, in in having a wholeness and a peace to life, which we're going to talk about in a moment, you and I have to ensure that Jesus Christ is the foundation. I've had times in my life when um, things were frustrating in one area of my life, and I spent so much time and so much effort in that area only to come up empty in the end because I didn't find the real problem. And the real problem was my foundation was beginning to crumble. You and I have to ensure that Jesus is the foundation. And then Paul goes on in Ephesians to talk about how when we do that individually, when we do that individually, then all of a sudden corporately in the body of Christ, we find unity. We find incredible unity. Check this out in Ephesians 2, 18 through 21. He says this, so so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being that cornerstone, being that foundational cornerstone upon which every aspect of your life can be built. If you desire to be God's best in life in all of the areas of your life, which I hope you do, You've got to ensure that that foundation is solid on him, first and foremost. And so it's vital important that each one of us understand that. And so Sabbath plays into that. You and I need rest. To be able to do that, we need rest. We need to stop the, the chaos of life, and we need to lean in to God one day a week. We, that's what his intent was. That was what his design was. In fact, that's what his command for us is, to stop one day a week and to lean in to him. But secondly, um, committing to a weekly Sabbath will also help us find wholeness and peace and purpose. Have you ever felt like you've, you're, you're being pulled in a thousand directions? 
Like, you know, one person's got one part of you, and the other person's got this part, and the other guy's, you know, the other person's pulling you from behind and ahead, and, and you just feel like your whole life is being pulled in a thousand directions. I've felt like that. Uh, I know some of you have felt like that. It doesn't have to be that way. We can find peace. We can find wholeness of life. In fact, the Bible speaks of wholeness of life. And in fact, this passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24, is, is one of the main passages um, where Richard Foster uh, developed the whole celebration of discipline, which is the book that, that I believe kind of dovetails into this message series so well. This is what Paul says to the church in Thessalonica. Check this out. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of Lord of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we're never going to be blameless, are we? We're never going to be blameless. If like you think that you can navigate life on your own being blameless, please, man, find me afterwards. I'd love to find out that formula. We can write a book, okay? But that book will go against what Scripture says completely. Because the Bible, God's word does, says that we can't find it, but we can find it in him. And so you, when you and I come together, um, and, and when we do that, we can find wholeness and peace and purpose in life. And when we do that, we can move from a place of anxiety to a place of peace. Paul talks about that in, in Philippians. I, I love this um, verse. This is a verse that I've memorized, and I want to encourage you to do this as well. And this isn't just for you who have, you know, panic anxiety disorder. This is for all of us because at some point in time, um, we all um, are anxious about things. Check out what Paul says, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication. That word supplication is just um, asking God, going on like your behalf or someone else's behalf and asking for God uh, to minister to you or to that person. It's, it's a request um, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then he says this in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You want to move from a place of anxiety to a place of peace? It's a simple formula. Pray. Ask God to give you peace. And then focus on those things that you're grateful about. I've got a good friend in my life that has poured into my life over the last couple of years that um, uh, have been a little difficult for me in a variety of areas. And one of the first things he said is he said, Todd, you've got to get your focus off of what um, isn't going right, and you've, get, you've got to get your focus on the things that you're thankful for. Man, that, that, that was truth, wasn't it? And his suggestion, his, his counsel to me was spend the first moments every day when you wake up telling God what you're grateful for. The days that I do that, it changes my perspective. The days that I don't stink, to be quite up candid. They do. God's word says that you, can I, you and I can find wholeness. We can have him as our foundation. We have to have him as our foundation. If we're going to build any kind of life that's, that's giving him our best. But we also can find peace and we can find wholeness. Not in anything else, but in Jesus Christ. And then lastly, and here's where I want to spend the rest of our time today. Committing to a weekly Sabbath will prepare us to serve God with our lives. Listen, I've said from, from um, day one that God's intent for rest is for you. 
God's intent for rest. In fact, we, we found this in, in several different passages, Mark being one of them, uh, the book of Mark being one of them, where Jesus said, I am Lord of the Sabbath. And he says, uh, the Sabbath is, is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So rest is for you. That's the way God designed it. And, and God designed it that way for a reason, because he knows that you and I need it. But rest is for you until it's not. Don't think about that too long, okay? That just don't think about it. You'll, later, you'll call me and go, okay, I think I understand what you mean. Rest is for us until it's not, because at some point in time, our whole lives, if we're Christ followers, is essentially to lift him up. Our whole lives should be lived to point people and society and our world upward to him. And so at some point in time, that day of rest and that time with God each and every day or on a regular basis um, is for you and it's for me and it's for our souls and it's for our physical bodies and all of that. That's the way God designed it. But it is for the purpose so that you and I can give God our best. And so rest is for us until it's not. At some point in time, everything we are is for him, right? If you're a Christ follower in here today. That's his intent. That's what he purposed. And take a look at Colossians 3, 23 and 24. This is is a passage I had you turn to in your Bibles. He says this. Paul, again, looking at all, all of Paul's verses, all of Paul's words today. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for, say it with me, men. Some of your ladies are like, Heck yeah, absolutely. I'm not working for those men. Means human, by the way, ladies. Knowing, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Rest is for us until it's not. Because at some point in time, We are commissioned, we are called, we are commanded to serve God with our lives. And lest you think businessman or businesswoman who own your own businesses or or maybe are in the corporate world, um, lest you think that you can't do it there, you can. You can, absolutely. By the way you conduct your business, by the way you, you speak to others, by the way you conduct yourself with your boss and your employees and your coworkers. If you're a student in here and you think, yeah, that's, that's just reserved for like people who are like myself who are in full-time ministry. No, not at all. In fact, I would submit that you who are students, you could have a larger impact in our community for Christ than even myself or Todd Cooper can. Are you with me, students? You guys can have that kind of impact because God calls all of us to ministry, doesn't he? He calls all of us to serve, not just those who are in full-time ministry or out there on the mission field. He calls each and every one of us. There's no, there's no, you know, uh, caveat on this. There's no, like, prerequisite on this. This message is for each one of you. God has called us to serve him and to find our purpose. And for many of you, that is, like, 
just woven into just the course of your lives. For some of you, it's your life and, and, and serving you know, with you or your family. Um, you are serving the Lord Christ. And, and many of you are serving here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. I, I think that we have some of the best volunteers that I have ever seen in church work, don't we? Don't we? Hilton Head Island Community Church. Give yourselves a hand. If you guys serve. But you cannot serve week in and week out. You can't go back and, and serve in Island Kids or student ministry or come here really like way too early on a Sunday morning and get coffee going and uh, work out in the parking lot when it's raining. You can't do any of that unless you are centered on Christ, unless you find your peace from him, unless he is your foundation. And i got to tell you, we've got some of the greatest people, and i got to think that many of them are able to do that week in and week out, serve as, as group leaders and facilitators, uh, lead worship up here and be in the band. Um, many of the people that you see week in and week out are able to do that because it's an overflow of what they do every day. And it's an overflow of what they do once a week. If our job is to find our passion or, and our purpose and our mission for Jesus, for some of you, that means starting right here. Um, I want you to check out some people who are at Hilton Head Island Community Church on the screen today who I think you're going to find love serving Jesus here at this church. Check this out. Hey guys, I'm Drew Dale. I am a coach and a teacher here on Bluffton and Nelton Hilton Head Island. I coach volleyball and I teach currently seventh grade. I help out with the youth group on Hilton Head Island Community Church, uh, the junior and senior high on Sunday night. Why do I do it? Um, wow, there's, there's a lot of reasons why I do it. I love youth. I love helping change and bringing youth to Christ. Um, the impact that's had on my life is exponentially growing every day. I love it and hopefully I can translate that intensity and that love for Jesus for the children as well. I'm Kelly Stockwell, guest service director at Hilton Head Island Community Church, and I love guest services. I hope you all would come and join us and have fun. We have a great time at guest services. Should you take your shape assessment and find out where your best spot is for guest services? Hi, I'm Jackie King. I love to serve guest services. Kelly and I work really well together and we'd love to have you join us. We do have a lot of fun, so come see what it's all about. We have a lot of positions at guest services to fit everybody's need. We have parking, we've got hospitality where you can make coffee. We have our greeters out front to say hello to everyone at our guest service desk here to keep everybody informed of all the stuff that we have going on and our logistics team that helps keep count of everybody we have in service. Good morning, my name is Renee, and I love greeting people here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. Hi, my name is Robin, and I like serving at Island Kids because it's just a great way to connect with the youth, and I learn as much from them as I hope they learn from our Ignite program. Hi, I'm Leslie. Um, I serve here in the marsh with the four and five-year-olds. I absolutely love being in this room, especially with the little ones. We just have so much fun. <laughs> Hi, my name's Laura, and I am helping out in the Island Kids program as the greeter. 
Um, I've been doing this for about seven or eight years and every other week I'm here helping out on Sundays. If you're thinking about doing something like this, go take the shape survey and give it a try. Hi, I'm Lori, and I love hanging out with the kids in Under the Sea. Everyone say hi. Her hi. name isn't Lori. <laughs> we have a blast in here. We really Jim do. Jones. Come and play with us. Hi, I'm Michael, and I serve in Ignite with all these wonderful preteens. That's the fourth and fifth graders. I come here about. Yeah, thank you, Justin. And I come here about twice a month, usually, to hang out with these guys. Uh -huh. And I have to tell you, of all my times in the month, this is one of the highlights for me to get to come in here and hang uh -huh. out and talk about God and Jesus. What are we learning about today? Gratitude of gratitude. gratitude. Uh, isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? Give it up for them. They didn't look sad or defeated or ticked off or mad that they're serving. Man, they're serving out of an overflow, aren't they? You just, you just get that. You get that. I, I want you to do the same. I want you to do the same. Listen, we, we need you. We need you, but God needs the best of you, and that means that you've got to find time to rest. Here's your action item today. Um, make a lifetime commitment. Make a lifetime commitment to practice Sabbath. We, we've talked about um, the day of the week. We've talked about how to do it, some best practices. We've talked about how to have success in that. But you know, my challenge to you is this. Make a commitment to doing this. There are going to be times when you're going to struggle. It's okay. Here, here's some practical ways that you can do that. First and foremost, schedule your Sabbath is the first thing that you do that week. Like, it, you know, make sure that that's the first thing that you schedule and your whole week centers around that. Resume your Sabbath um, if you've been interrupted by circumstances beyond your control. That happens, doesn't it? How many of you are parents? Those are circumstances beyond your control right there, okay? I get that. If your schedule changes, move it to another day, but don't skip it. Don't skip it. And don't cancel it. Even if you've had an extremely busy week, because you know what? That's the time that you need it the most. Listen, if we're going to serve this community, if we're going to reach this community for Christ, if, if we're going to do all the things that we believe as a church um, that God has for us and making a dent in those who are unchurched on this island, which is probably in the 89 to 90% range in our community, um, we've got to be the best that we can be for him. And having a day of rest is going to prepare you to serve him. A lot of people know the story of Horatio Spafford's life and how he wrote, penned those words that are so meaningful um, as he crossed the Atlantic that day. And we sing them even today. But I got to tell you, not too many people know his legacy. His legacy is not a huge fortune financially. It's not real estate. It, it wasn't the story of, of Spafford and, and his wife, Anna. Um, his legacy is this. After they collected themselves, they decided that they would move to Israel, to Jerusalem, because that's where Jesus came from. And they just wanted to see, just the two of them, what would happen. Well, they went to Israel, and they formed what was called the American Colony 
in Jerusalem. It still exists to this day. And it was a group of Swedes and Americans that kind of joined together to serve Jerusalem. And they began to serve Jerusalem, but not just people that looked like them. They served those who were Jewish, they served Muslims, and they served Christians alike. Something that never happens in the city of Jerusalem. Well, after Spafford died, um, his daughter, he and his wife, went on to have three more kids. And one of his daughters one day was walking through Jerusalem and found a, a homeless orphan, and she took that orphan in. And today, there is the Spafford Children's Home that exists today that's in an orphanage and a hospital for kids in Jerusalem who are misplaced. Isn't that awesome? A man that lived in the 1870s through the 1890s, and his legacy lives on today because he found peace from Christ. He found his foundation from Christ. Listen, it's not unimportant what you do for him. You may think that serving in island kids or helping prepare coffee or being out in the parking lot, which we, we need people desperately there, and we need people in island kids, you may think that's small. It's not. It's needed. And you and I need to be our best to be able to serve God the best way that we can with excellence. Rest is all about you until it's not. It's time for it not to be all about you anymore. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that um, you created um, rest. You created a Sabbath. And, and God, even on the seventh day, you rested. And God, I thank you with that thought in mind that um, you created it for us to prepare us, to prepare our lives um, in service to you. And God, I pray for those who are in here, who have been here over these past few weeks. God, I pray that you would just really anchor them um, in this idea um, of committing to, to a Sabbath as a part of their life. God, it's just not something that they add to, but it's something that they do just as a part of living their lives, God. I pray that you would give them the ability to do that and that many people would find their shape, find how they're gifted and the spiritual gifts and the hearts and the abilities and the personality and experience they have to serve you. God, I pray that you would help many people um, find a group where they can share their life together today. God, I pray that you would um, go before us as we kind of open up this backstage in the Shape Showcase to find out where people can serve, find out where they can get involved, find out where they can connect. And God, I pray for a whole group of people that understand that rest is necessary for their spiritual lives, but it's necessary also for them to be able to have community with others and to serve you to the best of their ability. Be with us now. And I pray that you're honored and glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.